discover the inherent power of God in you. Whether there are challenges or not, we are still the same. We are constant. God is constant. God does not change. And that is the life that we have received. It says Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. That is the same life we have also received. We are also the same yesterday, today, and forever. What kind of life? We, we, we are the same because we have the same life with Christ. So when you think about God, think about you. Because everything he is, that is why he told Abraham, he said, I am your, your exceeding great reward. God gave himself as a reward to Abraham. And we are the seed of Abraham. Therefore, we have inherited God himself. Listen to Pastor Oti Boatim as Christ is magnified in you. Thank you for the ministry of your word, the ministry of your spirit this morning. We receive your word with meekness and with gladness, even in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. How many of you are born by a woman? You're born by a woman, isn't it? Nobody's born by something else. But have you remained the same since you were born? In size, in stature, in age. Have you? Have you grown? Are you still growing? Yeah. Are there disadvantages of remaining a child? What are some of the disadvantages of remaining a child? You can't eat what you like. For instance, I don't know whether it was Asi or someone. We were eating banku or something like that. And she was like, Charlie, I want to eat some of the banku. But we will not give it to her because it is not time for her to be eating banku. Is banku good? Is banku nice? It's very nice. It's very lovely. But she can't eat it. Why? Because she's not grown. Do you see? Mm-hmm. What are some of the other disadvantages of of being a child. You can't help yourself. You can't help yourself. You can't do it. You can't. You can't chew what? You can't chew bones. <laughs> you can't go where you want to go to. Or, yeah, you are denied. Where your parents go to is where you go. Even if you don't like it, you can only cry. Hallelujah. In the same way, in the spirit, you can. You can be a baby, a child, and not grow. Do you see? God is not only interested in our new birth, in our being born again. Okay? When you become born again, it's it's powerful, but then that is not the end. That is not the end of our development. Please, you understand what I'm saying? Yeah, you must grow. You have to increase. If you look at Luke chapter 15, you can read from verse 4. You see how God is excited and there's so much joy in heaven over one soul that becomes born again. Let's look at it. Luke chapter 15 from verse 4. There are so many verses of scripture, you know. It says, what man of you having an hundred sheep, if he lose one of them, does not leave the ninety and nine in the wilderness and go after that which is lost until he find it? Next verse. And when he has found it, he layered it on his shoulders, rejoicing. Hallelujah. This, this has to do with souls. Next verse. Verse 6. And when he cometh home, he calleth together his friends and neighbors, saying unto them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep which was lost. Wow. I say unto you, that likewise joy shall be in heaven over one sinner that repented, more than over ninety and nine just persons which need no repentance. There shall be joy in heaven. Joy where? In heaven. 
The father is excited as well. Look at the next verse. There's more. Then he says, Either what woman having ten pieces of silver, if she lose one piece, does not light a candle and sweep the house and seek diligently till she has found it. Next verse. Verse 9. Likewise, I see unto you, there is joy in the presence of the angels. Hmm? He says, And when she has found it, she called her friends and neighbors together, saying, Rejoice with me, for I found the peace which I had lost. Verse 10 is what I want you to see. He says, Likewise, I see unto you, there is joy. See, there is joy. There is joy in heaven in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner that repented. Over one sinner that repented. In the presence of the angels. I preached a message some years ago. that the God is the one who is before the angels. Isn't it? The angels stand before God. So if he says there shall be joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner that repented, it means that God himself is very happy. That's what it means. Isn't it? And the whole of heaven rejoices that a new birth has taken place. Someone is now born again. That is why we make strides we, we push to get people into the kingdom of god because it brings joy to heaven you see just imagine a beautiful lady walking into hell this morning i saw a, was it yesterday or this morning i think it was this morning when i was driving i saw a beautiful girl on the on the road and when i see her, i was like is she born? I, that first question i asked myself was is she born again where is she going to go when she passes on you see where is she going to go when she passes on is all her beauty going to be destroyed in hell it's her beautiful soul. It's not, it's not just beautiful people. I mean, everybody, whether you are beautiful or not, makes no difference. If you don't have the life of God in you, if you're not born again, your end is hell and hence the lake of fire. I mean, with all your polished face and all your beautiful skin and all, you can take care of yourself as much as you want. If you are not born again, I mean, your end is the lake of fire, amazingly. Some people don't want to hear it, but that is the truth. You can choose to accept it or not. It makes no difference. But that's the reality on the ground. Do you see? Do you know annihilation? There's annihilation just view that when you pass on, when you die, you are annihilated. You are like gas, so you go back into the atmosphere and then you form part of the oxygen and carbon dioxide and all of that. And then you're, I mean, it doesn't make sense. You, you get it. There are some things that don't really, it doesn't make sense. And you shouldn't believe some things. The truth is that there's a place called heaven and there's a place called hell. That is the truth. Don't take certain risks in life. Uh-huh. I mean, it doesn't make any sense why you'd want to take certain kinds of risks. The thing is true. If it is not true, you accept what we are, we are saying. When you move on and it is not true, you have nothing to lose. Or you have nothing to lose. Hallelujah. As important as it is to get born again, there's something higher that makes God more excited than the new birth. Can you imagine? There's something that makes God much, 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 much more excited than being born again. It's born again takes you, it takes you away from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of his dear son, doesn't it? From the power of darkness into the kingdom of his dear son. Now, that's very powerful. It's very important. And we should never cancel it. There's an argument concerning what the heartbeat of God is. Is it getting people born again or it's getting people matured in Christ? Brother, the two are all very important to God. One cannot happen without the other. If the person is not born again, you cannot raise the person. Do you get it? Uh-huh. So being born again is very important. That is the, that's the entrance. Without that, you cannot raise somebody. You cannot grow. Hallelujah. 
Praise the Lord. So he says, there's something. Tell me about there's something. That is very high. In the sight of God. Apart from being born again. And that thing is your maturity. Your growth. Your maturity. Let's look at Genesis chapter 21. You can read from verse 3. Genesis chapter 20. Let's read from verse 1. Genesis 21 from verse 1 to verse 8. You know, Abraham is a type of God. Okay? There's, there's something called typology. Say typology. typology. Yes. Have you heard it before? It's, type of, it's anti-type and then types. Okay? So, in the Old Testament, the things in the Old Testament are actually types of the New Testament. You get it? So, all the celebrations, the, 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 the feasts, the Passover, Hanukkah, uh, Rosh Hashanah, all these were feasts that were celebrated in the Old Testament. All of them are a type of Christ. If you read in Colossians chapter 2, you see it. Let's read Colossians 2, just to show you. Colossians chapter 2. Let's read verse 9 into verse 10. For in Christ dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. I don't want us to read too much. Go down. Let's go down. I think verse 15 down, right? 16. Let's go to verse 16. I don't want us to read too much, because this is not my focus. I'm just trying to give you an example. Let no man therefore judge you in meat. Okay? In what? He says, don't let anybody judge you in meat. Do you understand meat? He's not talking about uh, cow meat or chicken meat or pork. He's talking about food. He says, that don't let anybody judge you in res- with respect to food or in drink or in respect of an holy day or of the new moon or of the summer days. These are all things that were very important in the Old Testament. In the Old Testament, food was very important. You see? There were some foods you were to eat and there were some foods you weren't supposed to eat. There were some foods to eat on a certain day. For instance, on the Passover, you eat a certain meal. Do you get it? They kill a lamb, they eat a certain part of the lamb and all of that. It says, or drink. There were drinks that were poured. There were libations in the Old Testament. In the Old Testament, they would pour drinks. Or in respect of an holy day, there were days that were very holy. The Passover day was a holy day. The Sabbath day was a holy day. That there were new moons, weeks, all of those things, or of the new moon, or of the Sabbath days. All these were very special days. He says, Don't let anybody judge you along these lines. In other words, in the New Testament, we shouldn't wear uh, priestly gowns and sit in church and say we are celebrating Hanukkah or celebrating the Feast of Tabernacles. It's nonsense, according to the scriptures. Not according to me, according to. I'm not, have I written the Bible before? It's in the Bible. It's, I'm, not the one, I'm just reading it to you. I don't have anything in my hand. Next verse. Which are a shadow. It says all of those things were a shadow of things to come. But the body or the reality is Christ. In other words, Christ is the reality of that shadow that all that we're doing were shadows. Would you want to relate to my shadow or with me? Do you prefer my shadow or, my, or myself? My shadow is nothing. Do you get it? Uh, so if I am here, and my shadow is also here. You don't go and stand by my shadow and say, I've missed you. Oh, pastor, you all come back. It's good to see you. It's not like, when the human being is down here, you don't do that. <laughs> Hallelujah. So he says that Christ, Jesus is the embodiment of all of those things. In other words, Christ is the new moon. Christ is the Sabbath. Christ is the feasts. Christ is all the food, all the drinks that was poured. He, he, he represented it. And if you look at it very well, one day we'll, we'll talk about all those things. You pick, if you pick the meal offering, for instance, it describes how the fineness of Christ's humanity. 
There was no spot in Christ. There was no sin. The Bible says that he was tested and tempted in all points. But there was, no, there was not found any sin in him. Do you get it? So the meal offering was fine. It shows the fineness of Christ. How wonderful Jesus was. Jesus never sinned, even though he had many opportunities to do something wrong. He never sinned. He was spotless. Hallelujah. So many. I mean, if you look at the wave offering, the heave offering, all the offerings that they gave are a type of Christ. Now, Abraham is also a type of God because Isaac is a type of Christ. You see, when Abraham offered, I was going to offer Isaac, okay? The mountain upon which he was going to offer Isaac is the same mountain upon which Jesus Christ died. Same mountain, same spot, actually. Same spot. Hallelujah. God, God told Abraham, for instance, that give me your only son, whom thou lovest. God also gave us his only begotten son, whom he loves. Isn't it? So Abraham was a type of God. Okay? Even how Abraham sent his servant, Eliezer, to go and find a wife for his son, Isaac, shows us that Abraham is a type of God. Because God also sends his servant, or sends uh, 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 someone, which is the Holy Spirit, to find a wife, which is the church, for his son, who is Christ. That's, that is, in fact, that particular thing that I mentioned is what is happening right now in our time, in our day. Because the Holy Spirit is finding a church, or finding a wife, or developing a wife for the Lord. And everything is about Christ's marriage. All that we are doing is about Jesus' marriage. For instance, there's a marriage of the Lamb that is going to happen. There's a day that will all be given to the Lord as a bride. Can you imagine? And we'll be married to Jesus Christ. So Abraham is a type of Christ. So in Genesis chapter 21, I hope that, that point is clear for you. Genesis chapter 21 from verse 1, we see Abraham who had been longing for a child for a very long time having a child by Sarah. And the Lord blessed Sarah as he had said, and the Lord did unto Sarah as he had spoken. Next verse. For Sarah conceived and bare Abraham a son in his old age at the set time of which God had spoken of him. She bare him a son in his old age. Next verse. And Abraham called the name of a son that was born unto him, whom Sarah bare to him, Isaac. I'm Isaac. My name is Isaac. Do you know? Yeah, so my name is in the Bible. Your name is not in the Bible. And Abraham circumcised his son Isaac being eight days old, as God had commanded him. So when the boy was born, Abraham circumcised the boy. Next verse. And Sarah said, God has made me to laugh, so that all that here will laugh with me. There was some kind of celebration in the house, isn't it? Because they had been waiting for a child for so long. They had been mar- I think Abraham got married at age 20. Because in those days, they married very early. And all the way to 100, that's 80 years later. Of having different types of styles of things. Nothing happened. After 80 years, he had a child. What a shock. Can you stay in marriage that long without a child? Hey, mercy. And she said, who would have said unto Abraham that Sarah should have given children sack? For I have borne him a son in his old age. Now, but you don't see any celebration. They were happy. Everybody was happy. But there was no party. Do you see? There was no party to announce uh, Isaac's birth. They didn't have banquet. But look at the next verse. Look at this verse. And the child grew. Say the child grew. And the child grew and was weaned. And Abraham made a great feast the same day that Isaac was weaned. 
The feast happened when Isaac was weaned. Let's read BBE. BBE will let us understand what this means. Okay? So, God, you remember, Abraham is a type of God, right? Is it true? Isaac is a type of his son. That's Jesus Christ himself. Okay? Now, Bible says, and when the child, so in this case, Isaac is the church. Isaac is you and I. And when the child was old enough to, to be taken from the breast, Abraham made a great feast. So God makes a great feast and God rejoices, not only in your birth, not especially in your birth, but when you are weaned, when you are taken off the breast. There are too many children of God who are lying under breasts, spiritually speaking, understand what I'm saying? Having feeding bottles. Feeding every time. So you've been born again for five years. And within that five years, you don't know Jesus Christ for yourself. Do you see? You've not grown. You've not grown. God's joy is not in your birth only. God's joy is in your growth. It says when the boy was old enough to be taken off the breast, Abraham made a great feast. God makes a great feast when the children are growing. When the children grow up. That's when God actually rejoices. Because God, listen, God saves us for a reason. There are three kinds of families. There are organized families. They are unorganized families, and they are disorganized families. Every family, whichever family you have come from, is either organized, unorganized, or disorganized. Which one do you belong to? An organized family is a family with a purpose. So if you look at the bushes, for instance, the bushes have an aim. Do you understand when I say bushes? Bush, George Bush. Do you know George Bush's father, George W. Bush's father was George H. Bush. Hmm? Huh. His father was the president of America, was the vice president of America, and became the president of America. Then his son became a president of America. Do you think George W. Bush's son is not in preparation to become a president of America? He's in preparation right now. You hear after about 20 years that he's there, or 10 years that he's president. They are into government. That's what they like. They are businessmen who are into government. So everybody who's born into that house has one aim. Whether you like it or not, you are going to be president. You are going to be a governor. And you are raised and trained for that. That's an organized family. There's a father who is present, and there's a mother who is present, who are teaching their children to become something that the family represents. When we, when we went to the U.S., we were in Rhode Island for some time. And we went to a shop that had been there for 100 years. The shop had been there for a cake shop. It's just a cake shop. Cake, do you know cake? They are just into doing cake, pastries. Yes. And that shop has been there for 100 years. It has been handed over from generation to generation. I think this is the third generation that is handling it. Everybody in the house is raised to know how to prepare cake. There's a guy on TV on a food channel. They are cake. The cake their whole family is cake. Pastries. And they are super rich. Because they focus on one thing called cake. <laughs> you dear be there. I'm showing you how to succeed. Yeah. The whole family is designed for cake. If you go to Nigeria, for instance, the Adenugas, the Adenuga family is into business, telecoms. Everybody's raised to do business. Dangote's wealth is not from him, it's from his great, it's from his grandfather, Dan Tata. 
Aliko Dantata. Did you ever hear of Dantata? Am I lying? Dan, there was Dantata. He bought planes before his grandson was born. Yeah. And he's been raised to take over and take it to the next level. That's an organized family. An organized family is a family that has a purpose. They have a purpose. Everybody in the house is born for a reason. As I'm describing, you realize that you're not from an organized family. Have you realized that? It's like, there's no reason why you are in the, in the system. I don't know if you are seeing it. The Kennedys like this. The Kennedys are an organized family. They are into government. It's so serious that whoever marries them becomes something, including Schwarzenegger. Yeah. Schwarzenegger married uh, Kennedy's daughter. Yeah, JFK's daughter. He's, he became governor. He's an important person. Yeah. That's what the family represents. That's what they are for. Rockefeller is money. They are into oil. Yeah. Yeah, Ekufados are into government. Everybody, if you like, go to the Achim State. Everybody is taken to school for one purpose to rule this country. You'll be surprised how many presidents will come from there. I tell you. They are either, either MPs or something. Everybody goes to school for that purpose. Yeah. What is your family? <laughs> but there's a higher family we belong to. I said there's a higher family we belong to. It's called the family of God. And God also has a purpose. God has an organ, an unorganized family is a family that does not know what it's about. So the mother may not be around, or the father may not be around, or both of them may be around, but we are all living. Nobody cares about what grade you bring to, you bring to the house. You guess, nobody looks at your report card. Did they look at your report card when you were growing up? For some of us, they didn't check. I mean, people can collect your report card on the, on the way and look at it and even keep it, and you go home, everything is fine. Yeah, I mean, it was normal. So even though they are there, there's no organization. They, you are just being fed. You are being fed like a chicken. You are being fed. You are drinking water. You are pooping. You are bathing. Everything. You are just going. And then whatever it is that you become, fine. If you become responsible, fine. If you become not responsible, it's still fine. You can still be in your father's house. We are just there. That's an unorganized family. There's no purpose for their existence. They have just given birth. And they are there. Do you understand? Then this organized family is a family that is completely off. That's where orphans, you can have a, you can have a street child. Someone is born and is put on the streets. Nobody really cares about what you eat, what you drink. No, but it's not something anybody thinks about. If you find some guy you eat, whatever you find, just exist. You, are, you found yourself on earth. Manage yourself. You see? But God is not like that. Contrary to the beliefs of many, God is not like that. God is highly organized. There's a reason why God has given birth to you. The new birth has a purpose. That is why he doesn't want to have babies in a system. Because if there are so many babies, what is he going to do with the babies? There's a war to fight. God has a war to fight. And God has a purpose to accomplish. That is why he would not have children in a system. So he's not happy when a child is born alone. It's not just a being born. You must grow. Because your growth, okay, is what guarantees that you can hold the sword and fight in this battle. I hope you understand. Yeah, there's a battle. Tell me about there's a battle. And there's a war. God's desire. Let me show you God's desire. Revelation chapter 19. Let's read verse 12. Revelation 19, 12. 
Let's read, let's read from verse 11 so that we, we, it makes more sense, okay? God, I, I can talk about the purpose of God. It's very big. I don't want to get into it too much. I just want to mention it for you, okay? So that you see and understand. That, like God has an aim for you. God has an aim for you. And I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse, and he that sat upon him was called Faithful and True. And in righteousness, he does judge and make war. Have you seen it? Next verse. He's talking about Jesus. His eyes were as a flame of fire. His eyes were as a flame of fire. And on his head were many crowns. And he had a name written that no man knew, but he himself. Next verse. And he was clothed with a vesture dipped in blood. And his name is called the Word of God. Who is called the Word of God? Jesus Christ. So he's describing Jesus, right? Next verse. And the armies which were in heaven. See the armies. And the armies which were in heaven followed him upon white horses, clothed in fine lining, white and clean. Next verse. And out of his mouth goeth a sharp sword, that with it he should smite the nations, and he shall rule them with a rod of iron, and he treaded upon the white, he treaded the winepress of the fierceness of the wrath of God Almighty. Now, Jesus is described, and then another group, he says, the armies which were in heaven followed him. You would think that the armies in heaven are angels. They are not angels. The armies in heaven, in heaven are you and I. The armies in heaven are the overcoming Christians. Because if you read the verses before, if you read from verse 7, look at verse 7. Let me show you verse 7. Do you remember the vision that Nebuchadnezzar had? The dream that Nebuchadnezzar had that he couldn't, he couldn't remember first of all, and he didn't understand. He couldn't remember, and he couldn't understand. So he needed them to tell him what he had dreamt. Can someone tell you your dream? He needed them to tell him his dream and explain the dream. Wow. And God gave Daniel insight. Nebuchadnezzar saw an image that had a golden head. And then coming down to the breast side became silver, then brass or bronze, then iron, the two ties were iron, and then a mixture of iron and clay as a, at the foot. Now, that vision was actually, or that dream was a description of all of humanity, what was going to happen in, with humanity from that time of Nebuchadnezzar till the end of this age. That was what he saw. Okay? The image describes human government from its beginning. So the golden part, the head, represented Babylon. Babylon was the most, one of the most organized uh, kingdoms ever. The most organized and the strongest of them all. And Babylon started with Nimrod. Okay? And continued on to the days of Nebuchadnezzar. When Nebuchadnezzar was taken out, when he died, didn't Nebuchadnezzar change before he died? Didn't Nebuchadnezzar will be in heaven? Read, read Daniel chapter 4 and end it. You'll be surprised that you go and see Nebuchadnezzar crossing his legs in heaven and telling boys that you are a very foolish boy. very serious. I tell you, because he's going to be there. He glorified God before he died. And the whole of Daniel chapter 4 was written by Daniel, was written by Nebuchadnezzar himself. Now, after Nebuchadnezzar came, there was another kingdom, okay, called the Medo-Persian Empire, okay, and then it goes on and goes on to the Roman Empire, and then now we don't know any empire that really exists, so it's a mixture of the Roman Empire, it's still the Roman Empire mixed with clay, because we don't really know what's going on now. As he saw the, the dream, the Bible says that he saw a, a stone or a rock thrown from heaven, and as a stone came, it came to hit the statue at the feet and the statue broke and went into pieces that's the destruction of all of human government and that stone became a mountain that filled the whole of the earth 
Now, that is a description of the plans and purposes of God and what is going to happen to this earth. All the image represents all of what humanity is doing now. Do you get it? All that humanity is doing. For instance, right now, there's Babylon, but not the way you, we saw it in the Old Testament. Babylon still exists. You can read Revelation chapter 17 for yourself. You see it. That there's a woman called, <laughs> called Mystery Babylon who is in charge of the world now. Whether you like it or not, she's in charge of the economy of this world. She's in charge of the commerce of this world. She's in charge of everything. Managing the affairs of this life. And has swayed many. It's called Bible prophecy. You should, you should read it sometimes. And the corporate crashing, it's called the corporate crashing stone. The corporate crashing stone is actually the church. That comes from heaven. The overcoming church that comes from heaven to destroy human government and establish the government of God in the earth. So that's what Jesus was going to do when he was riding upon that horse. And the armies that, so the, the coming of Christ and the armies that follow him is actually the stone, the corporate crashing stone that destroys human government and establishes the government of God for 1,000 for 1, years. It's called the kingdom age. Hey. So God has a purpose. I'm just trying to let you know that God has a purpose. And that, copy, that question stone is a church, you and I. So it says, let us be glad. This is verse, verse 7 of Revelation chapter 19. Let us be glad and rejoice and give honor to him. For the marriage of the lamb is come. And his wife has made herself ready. Next verse. And to her was granted that she should be arrayed in fine lining. To the church was granted that she should be arrayed what? In fine lining, clean and white. For the fine lining is a righteousness of saints. Have you seen it? The people who were riding upon the horse following Christ were also in fine lining. Isn't it? So they are actually the same. So the church becomes... So this is the progression of the church. This is God's purpose for your life. When you become born again, okay, you are born again into the body of Christ and you are, part of the, you are a member of the body of Christ and hence part of the church. Now the body of Christ is supposed to grow and change to become the bride of Christ. Ephesians 5.25 Husbands, love your wives even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. Isn't it? Now, he didn't give himself for it for nothing. Jesus did not come and die for nothing. He came to die for something. Who would die for nothing? Nobody dies for anything. You, know, you, die, you, you die for something. Nobody dies just like that. God came to die for a purpose. He saved you for a purpose. Look at this. Husbands, love your wives. Even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it, that he might cleanse it. This, that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word. So, the church is not perfect. He's perfecting it through the word of God. He's using the word of God to cleanse the church, to clean the church. So as you hear the word of God right now, as you're hearing the word of God, as you're praying, as you're developing in God, you are becoming more of the bride of Christ that Jesus can marry. Who wants to marry someone whose teeth is off? Nobody wants. Do you want to marry a lady who does not have any teeth? A lady whose face is full of bumps. Very big, 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 big pimples all over. Do you want that? One of our... Uh, there's a wedding over the weekend here. So I think you should attend. You are invited. We have several weddings, actually, before the year ends. So you should be attending those weddings. Do you understand? Almost every Saturday there's a wedding happening. We are young, so we are into marriage. Hallelujah. What was I saying? She was getting married yesterday and she was looking very beautiful. She's done makeup. It's not easy. Yeah, so that her husband will be happy. Why do you want Jesus to marry? Spots. No teeth. Potholes on your face. As you are going, your face falls inside. Like that. 
No, he doesn't want a Monday. Do you know Monday face? Monday. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He says that he might present, he wants a church that is clean, beautiful, that he might present to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. How is it? Yeah. So that the body of Christ, which is the church, must grow to become the bride of Christ. And then the bride of Christ is married to Jesus Christ. So there's a marriage up of the Lamb. Do you see? We marry Christ on a certain day. We have been prepared to marry Jesus Christ. The bride and the church, the bride and the, the spirit must say the same thing. Right now, the spirit says things to the church. If you read in Revelation chapter 2 and Revelation chapter 3, yeah. the spirit is outside the church and it's saying things to the church. He who has ears, let him hear what the spirit says to the church. So the spirit is always, to, as I'm talking to you now, as the Holy Spirit is talking to you, he's perfecting the church. He's raising the church through the word of God. Okay? He's building the church through the word of God. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 19. 20 and 21, you see it there. He's constructing the church. He's building the church up. The church is also described as the new Jerusalem. Or the temple of God. It's beautiful. You should, you should see some of these. It's now therefore, you are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God. Next verse. And are built upon, we are built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets. Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. Next verse, verse 21. In whom all the building fitly framed together. Groweth unto an holy temple in the Lord. Next verse. So we are growing unto an holy temple in the Lord. In whom ye also are builded together for an habitation of God through the Spirit. So we are being built. Everybody is a stone. And every stone is supposed, all of us are supposed to be converted from being a stone to becoming a building. Do you see? That is why I am committed to your growth. And that is why God is committed to your growth. Because you need to grow. If you don't, what it means is that our window will not be there because you may be the window. And thieves can climb in. That's what it means. We are to grow to be the temple of God. First Peter chapter 2, verse 5. Look at First Peter 2, 5. It says, ye also as lively stones. Ye, say ye. ye. You are stone. stone. A living stone. stone. Slap the nearest living stone by you. <laughs> Hallelujah. See, I'm a living stone. There's so much revelation in that. There's so much. One of the revelations in that is that you don't get, stones don't get old. Stones don't grow old. The ladies, you need it. Stones don't grow old. You need to think on this. You need to meditate on this word. Stones don't grow old. Yeah. If you can check some of our videos. I've been like this for a very long time. And I don't have intentions of changing. When I'm 50, I'll still be like this. 60, I'll still be like this. No wrinkles, nothing. We are moving. Hallelujah. Still strong. Everything in place. Healthy. Have we heard this song before? What water do to stone? You can't do anything to it. Still fresh. Fresher than this. Hey. Stones don't lack anything. We are born as wood, but through the word we change to become stone. Do you know that when you keep a wood, a piece of wood in water for a very long time. It changes to become a stone. How many of you know that? It changes to become a stone over a long time. Yeah, you can try it. Believe it in, in there for 10 years to change. All of it becomes very hard to, be, to change to become a stone, actually. So that is the principle of our growth. Okay? We are born as wood. Wood represents humanity. 
So if you look into the Bible, wood always represents humanity. Always. Gold always represents divinity. Gold always represents divinity. Always. Gold always represents divinity. Hallelujah. So water also represents the word of God. So if you put wood in the water, that is if you put humanity in the word, the word of God will exchange all the foolish things in the wood and change it to become stone for God's building. But we are born again as stones. He says, ye are lively, ye also are li- as living stones, are built up. We are built up. So it's not just being a living stone. That living stone must be built up and a spiritual house and holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifice acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. You see, these are the purposes of God. Okay? And every stone is supposed to change, to be built, to become a, a room for the Lord, to occupy. And we are that corporate crashing stone that destroys human government and grows to fill the earth. God wants to rule and reign with you. Like I was saying, in Revelation 2 and 3, he talks to the church and raises the church through the word of God and helps the church to have overcomers in there, to have people who are really there, for, who, are, who are not just born again for nothing. People who are conscious of what God is conscious of and are ready to have their lives conformed to what God wants them to have their lives conformed to. You shouldn't exist for yourself. Say, I refuse to exist for myself. myself. Say it again, I refuse to exist for myself. myself. Just imagine if your phone was existing for itself and doing what it wants to do. You want to make a call to your mother and then it calls your, your, your enemy. Someone you don't want to talk to. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. But in Revelation chapter 20, chapter 21, at the end of the church, at the end of the, the ages, the Bible says that the spirit and the bride say, come. The spirit and the bride now have one voice. The church and the spirit will now have one voice and hence say the same thing. That's the, that's the aim of God. The aim of God is that we will grow to have the same mind as Christ, talk like Christ, do everything like Christ. In Romans chapter 8, verse 29, 30. Let's look at Romans 8, 29, 30. I'm showing you why you're existing. Are you in the church? Why you must be weaned. It's important. It's so important. And immediately you find the purpose of God for your life, which I'm telling you now. Your life begins. Real life begins when you find purpose. Because what are we existing for? Is it because of marriage? Haven't you seen people doing things in marriage? Have you seen people who have gotten married and have left their wives? What shows that your husband will not leave you? What shows? Is it because of your beauty? Your big bottoms? Or your nice face? What shows that your husband will not kill you? Or your wife will not kill you? That dissolves. Nothing, nothing shows that something like that. So we are not existing because of our marriage, or existing because of our children giving birth, or existing because, none of those things. We are existing because of God's purposes. Are you in the church? He says, for whom he did know, this is Romans 8, 29, for whom he did know, he also did predestinate. God foreknew you and predestinated you. Predestinate means to give a destination before you start your journey. Before you were born, God knew where you would be. He knew you'd be sitting here and you'd be hearing these things. For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son. That is Jesus Christ. He wants all of us to conform to the image of his son, Jesus Christ. When you become born again, you are intrinsically like him. 1 John 4.17. Look at 1 John 4.17. 1 
1 John 4, 17. Do you love the Bible? Say, I love my Bible. Say it again. I love my Bible. Says here in his love made perfect that we may have boldness in the day of judgment because as he is, so are we in this world. As Jesus is, so are we now. That's the truth. Your spirit man and Jesus' spirit, there's no difference. There's no difference. The Bible says that he that is joined to the Lord is one spirit with him. We are one spirit with God. We are one spirit with, the, with Jesus Christ. Okay? So intrinsically, inside, your spirit man is just like Jesus. But outside, you realize that you are not like Jesus. You don't talk like Jesus. You don't think like Jesus. Jesus cared about human, be- human beings. You don't care about human beings. Even your own brother, you don't care about him. Is it true? Yeah. yeah. So spiritual growth is not a growth in the spirit. It's not a growth in your spirit. It's not your spirit growing. Because your spirit is perfect. Your spirit came from God. God, God does perfect things. Your spirit is perfect. Okay, growth, spiritual growth is actually allowing the spirit to have a leeway, to have expression through your, through your heart and through your soul and through your body. That's why it's called growing up spiritually. Okay, because if you look in the Bible, you will not see spiritual growth. There's nothing like that in the Bible. So when we talk about it, people think that we are talking about the human spirit growing. The human spirit does not grow. Spirits do not grow. They don't have age. The demons that were there years ago are the same demons that are there now. They don't grow. Spirits don't grow. So intrinsically we are like him. But extrinsically, we need to grow. The human spirit must get the opportunity to do what God wants to do. And have expression. Christ in me must permeate my heart and permeate my soul into my body. Because Christ is really in you. So in Romans chapter 8 verse 29, he says that them whom he foreknew, he also did predestinate. For what purpose? He gave a destination for them. To be conformed to the image of a son who is Jesus Christ. That he might be the firstborn among many brethren. God wants you to look like Jesus in your, in your heart. Look like Jesus in your soul. And look like Jesus in your body. That is God's intent and God's purpose for your life. Okay? That's God's intent. That's his purpose for your life. So, growing in the Lord. Or spiritual growth. Or growth in the spirit. Or whatever all those things mean to grow into Jesus, to becoming more like Jesus. You are like him. I told you, right? See, I'm like him. Say, Christ is in me. As he is, so am I in this world. The greater one lives in me. Hallelujah. That's the truth. Christ is in you. Now, the more you meditate on that, the more that permeates your heart, permeates your soul, and permeates your body. And you become a very lovely person. Very wonderful. So actually, spiritual growth is growth into maturity, growth into allowing the life of God to have, to have expression through you. It's growth in life. Okay? Growth in the life of God. Hallelujah. That is God's joy. Because he has a purpose, like I, I said. He's looking for people who reign and rule with him when he comes. Hallelujah. Like every time we start preaching, you start sleeping. If it's like that every time, if you, if you see it happening three times, four times, there's something wrong. You need to pray. You need to kneel down. You need to have hands laid on you. Pastor, I'm, I'm in trouble. You need, you need to have, I tell you, it's a very serious thing. The quality of your life, okay? Do you understand quality of your life? The quality of your life, how rich you are, okay? 
how successful you are, how much peace you enjoy, how much pleasure you enjoy in life as a Christian, how much buoyancy and splendor you have is dependent on your relationship with the Holy Spirit. Okay? It is dependent on what? Or your relationship with God. Which is dependent on the knowledge of God that you have. Or rather, let me, let me do it this way. The quality of your life. Because, because, listen, we've been, we've been born into a beautiful life. <laughs> a life of progress. I tell you. He says, the path of the justice as a shining light. That shines brighter and brighter onto the perfect day. As the years go by, your life is supposed to shine brighter and brighter. I was not like this five years ago. I've gotten richer. I've gotten, I'm far richer than I was five years ago. That's the truth. That's the truth. I'm far more influential now than I was five years ago. And I'm going to be more influential five years from now. It's not about what you are now. It's what you are going to become in the future. That's what now we are in it. But how are things going to be in the future? How are things going to be? Are you still going to enjoy the life that God has given for you to enjoy? I've not been sick on a hospital bed for more than 20 years of my life. I don't have that. I don't have that at all. I've been married for seven years. None of us have been admitted at the hospital, on a hospital bed, for, some, for one thing or the other. There's no plan like that. We don't have plans like that. It's called the quality of life. The quality of your life is dependent on your fellowship, on your relationship with the Holy Spirit, which is directly proportional or dependent on the revelation of God you have. How you understand God, what do you think God is in your life? For some, God is someone who is there to destroy them. For many, it's like that. Do you see? It's like God, God is someone you are fighting with. God is not fighting with you. God is at peace with you. But you will not, that, that revelation will not come. For instance, for some, God is holding, holding good things away from them. So their prayer is different. I was watching a video recently, I think on a Thursday, watching a certain church on TV. And if you see the prayers they are praying for things, I was sad. My heart was broken. Because these are things that have been made available in the Word. Made available in the Word. Their pastor said this. He said that he, he quoted a scripture, a very popular scripture that I know, in John chapter 16, when Jesus said that, whatever you shall ask in my Father's name, I will do it. Then he said, you ask. You have asked so many things. By experience, we know that this scripture is not true. That's what he said. We know that this, by experience, we know that this scripture is not true. Then he, it's like, and when he said that, it just quenched everybody. You know, because the, the, the matter is growing in faith, not something. He said, you need to understand some things in the realm of the elements, some plenty things. I mean, it didn't, it didn't make any sense. It's just a matter of faith, growing in faith, isn't it? But he just robbed them. Of all that they could ever have in their lives by that single statement. Put them on another trajectory altogether. The quality of your life is dependent on the word of God that you know. So when the word of God is being preached like this, knowledge, the knowledge of God is coming to you. This is your life, I tell you. This is what will make you or unmake you. What you hear, what you are hearing. See, I'm a success. I'm a success. 
because what you hear is what you say. If you keep saying I'm a success, listen, I'm, I know where I'm coming from. I know where I'm coming from. I shouldn't be where I am. I shouldn't be doing what I'm doing. How did I get here? Through God's word. Through the revelation of God's word that I have. That's all I have. The revelation, a revelation of God's word. A revelation of Jesus Christ. So the quality of your life is dependent on your fellowship, your relationship with the Holy Spirit. Which is dependent on the revelation of God that you have. Your, the revelation of God. Is God holding anything against you? No, he's not. Is, God, is it that God doesn't want to answer your prayers? Emphatically not. He has done all that he's supposed to do for you. Now, faith, grace has made things available. Faith accesses it and takes it for yourself. That's, that's all. Are you in the church? Yeah. So there are people who are praying all kinds of prayers. Shouting and doing. We don't, I don't shout for some things. There are things if I think about it to just come. If I start thinking about it to just come right now. Yeah. If I start thinking about it, you'll be surprised. Yeah. If I start thinking about it, so come. I'll never go down. Say with me, I'll never go down. I keep going higher and higher. That is my life. Say it again, that is my life. You'll be, listen, you will walk in wealth, I tell you. Real wealth. How many of you want to buy planes? Can you see yourself buying a plane? Yeah, for the purposes of God, for fulfilling the purposes of God, right? You'll buy it. I tell you, we are, the, we are going to be the first, our generation will be buying jets for ministry. We are the ones who, go, who are going to be doing that. In our time, it will be normal. And you will purchase it. And I also buy some for you. Hallelujah. Say, my future is so bright. So don't, don't, don't ignore the word, okay? The Bible says ignore the word and suffer. Don't. And do everything together, word. Because that is, that is your life. Do everything together, word. So we must grow. Tell me about we must grow. We have to. We have to. You have to grow in life. You have to grow in the word. Because, let me show you a scripture. Galatians chapter 4, verse 1. If you understand this, you will have a very beautiful life. How many want, to, want a beautiful life? God's promises are not, are not fake and are not vague. They are real. I'm a testimony at least. My life is a testimony. And there are so many lives who testify to it. Okay? It works. It's true. It's not false. You need to know it. If you know it, it'll work for you. Hallelujah. Look at this. It says, now I say the air. He's not talking about hairs. Air. What is the meaning of air? Smith, 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 smith. What's the meaning of air? The successor. Okay? The successor. The success, for instance, look at Romans. Go back, go back to Romans chapter 8. Let's read Romans 8, 16 into 17. As many, it says the spirit itself bears witness with that spirit that we are the children of God. The spirit himself bears witness with that spirit that we are the children of God. Next verse. Say I'm a child of God. Then it says, and if children, then heirs, joint heirs of God. It says, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. Heirs of, say, I'm an heir of God. What it means is that God has given himself as an inheritance to you. Just imagine if God is your inheritance. 
Then he says, we are joint heirs with Christ. We are joint heirs with Christ. We are joint inheritors with Christ. Joint successes with Christ. Now, all the things that Christ secured, okay, is not for him. In Revelation chapter 4, verse 17, I think, there's a place you can search for it. Search for it for me, for me now. He says, unto him, the, the whole of heavens bow down and worship him. And then they say this, um, holy, holy God almighty. To you, there's what? Revelations 4, 8. Let's look at it. Revelations 4, 8. Let me show you. It's so beautiful. And the four beasts and each of, the, of them with six wings about him, and they were full of eyes within, and they rest not day and night, saying, Holy, Holy Lord God Almighty, which was and is and is to come. Next verse, verse 9. And when those beasts give glory and honor and thanks to him that sat on the throne, who liveth forever and ever. Verse 10. The four and twenty others fall down before him and sat, uh, that sat on the throne and worshipped him and lived forever and ever and casted their crowns before the throne, saying, Look at what they are saying, look at what they are saying in heaven. Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power. For thou hast created all things, and for thy pleasure they are all they were all created. He says, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive who is the Lord? He's talking about Jesus. They say to Jesus, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power. Listen, the glory and honor and power he received is not for him. It's for you. Because we are joined. The Bible says that we are seated together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. We are seated together in heavenly places in Christ. These things are not fake. They are real. From here, you live a life of success. From this knowledge. Poverty is a mindset. I tell you. Poverty is a mindset. Failure is a mindset. Greatness is a mindset. What you think, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. It's a principle you cannot, you cannot overshadow. The glory he received, it's not for him, it's for you. Because we are joint heirs. He doesn't need it for anything. You need it. The power he received, he doesn't need it for anything. You need it here. You need the power of God to work in your life, isn't it? The honor he received is for you. Everything he received is for you. Because we are joint heirs with him in Christ. Now he says the heir, as long as he's a child. Let's read it. Galatians chapter 4, verse 1. Now I say that the heir, as long as he's a child. The word child there is nepuse. And nepuse is a child who has refused to grow. And nepuse is a child who is unskilled, who is untaught, who is indisciplined, who is untrained, who is uneducated misinformed or uninformed there are a lot of Christians who are first of all uneducated I'm not talking about going to the university I'm talking about spiritual education who are misinformed or uninformed what do I mean by misinformed they know the scriptures but it is a misinformation for instance some Christians have been taught that when you pray end it with because of their grace. That is misinformation. So they have information that they are to pray to the Father, but they don't know that it's supposed to be to the Father and in the name of Jesus. Not in grace or because of grace. It's a wrong, it's a wrong prayer. That is why their prayers are misfired prayers. They are praying, but nothing is coming. They are not getting results. I pray and I get results. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I pray, I, unless I don't pray. When I pray, I get results. If I pray, I will get the results. There are, no, there are no shadows. If I pray, I get the results. That is my story. And it has been for a very long time. Years ago, 
this is 2004. I was very young then. Even before, I think before, this is 2003, 2004, 2002. There was this group I was in, you know. And the leader of the group noticed that when I prayed, it works. So he came, one day I didn't go for the meeting, and he came to me and said, why didn't you come for the meeting? He said, oh, I, I had to do something else and all of that. Then he said, no, you should always come, because when you pray, it works. I've noticed by experience that when you pray, it works. That was when I knew that, that was when I got to know that principles I'm using and following, because I was reading Ken Hagen. I was reading Ken Hagen. I started reading Ken Hagen in 1998. Yes, that was when I started reading Ken Hagen. And I was learning the principles of God's word. I got the right information. People get information, but it's wrong information. Wrong information. Wrong information. Hallelujah. People don't have information concerning faith. So they are, they are always doing things. Misfiring, misfiring. Then one person will just stumble into a testimony. Hey, then they think that it works. And then the rest continue along that same trajectory. It doesn't work. For instance, a lot of Christians think that they are sinners. And that's the end. They are sinners. So they will quote Romans 3, 20, 20, 23. For all have sinned and have fallen short of the glory of God. You know that we are sinners. Let us confess our sin. And everybody keeps quiet in the church. Everybody prays in their mind. That is misinformation. How can you grow with, an, with the misinformation? How can we win the war with an uneducated bunch? And misinformed or uninformed. There are those who are uninformed. Uninformed. Completely uninformed. That's why every pastor must make sure his children, his sheep, are informed. You, the pastor, need to labor in the word. Do you understand? Don't be a pastor who can't preach. A pastor who rejoices when you are not supposed to preach. No. Don't be like that. Listen. I preach every day. My aim is to preach every day. That's my aim. I preach on Monday. Tomorrow I'm preaching. Tuesday I'm preaching. Wednesday I'm preaching. Thursday I'm supposed to preach. Friday I'm supposed to... I, I, I have too many preaching times. Why? Because I'm committed to informing God's children. You need to be informed. Because without, without information, you can't go forward. Knowledge is power, I tell you. So we must be committed to doing that. The Bible says that he gave some apostles and some prophets and some pastors and teachers for the perfection of the saints, for the full equipping. Information is what equips the people. Yeah. See, I have faith. faith. See, I'm not a sinner. sinner. See, I'm a lamp child of a lamp God. God loves me intrinsically and extensively. Yeah. Behold, what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God. Says, beloved, now are we the sons of God. We are sons of God. We are children of God. Of a truth. It's not false. It's true. As he is, so are we now in this world. That is the right information. That is the right information. You are not a sinner. You are, you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. For of him are ye in Christ, who of God is made unto us wisdom. Wisdom. Christ is made unto me wisdom. Sanctification. Christ is made unto me sanctification. Christ is made unto me redemption. Christ is all these things to me. I will never fail him. How can I fail? How can I fail? It's not possible. I checked and I realized I cannot fail. I checked and I realized that it's not possible. I will never fail in my life. That's why I can make bold statements. Sometimes I can say that everybody can leave. You can all go away. I don't mind. Everybody, the whole church can go and leave me alone. You'll be surprised I want to come out of my life. I'm like Abraham. I am blessed by God to be a blessing. 
That's, that is your story. That is, say, that is my story. That is my story. Say, I'm like Abraham. Because the Bible tells us that we are the seed of Abraham. We are the seed of Abraham. You need the right information. You need the right information. So we have an uneducated bunch, a misinformed. That is the, that is the worst of it, because the misinformed ones would not want their knowledge to change. When you bring the knowledge of God, you show them in the scripture, this is how it is, they'll fight you. For instance, they are a misinformed bunch who say that the, the gifts of the Holy Spirit seized in the days of the apostles. So speaking in tongues and all of those things and the gifts of healing and all of those ceased. So they'll talk, they'll give an exegesis about the Holy Spirit and at the end, they'll talk about the ministry of the Holy Spirit and what he does and what the gifts of God are for and all of that. After everything, then they'll say that if God wills, then they can come into your life. It's not according to God's will. It's according to your will. What do you will? If you take advantage of God's word, you'll prosper. That's the truth. That's the truth. We are not a church that is barely trying to make it. The body of Christ is not like that. That is not how it it is. That's not how it is. We are the triumphant church. For instance, there's a misinformed bunch who think that the devil has authority and has power over them. There's a misinformed bunch who think that they they are possessed with demons. Demonic possession is different from demonic oppression and and different from demonic obsession. It's different. There are three different things. A a Christian cannot be be demon-possessed. It's not possible. A Christian cannot be demon-possessed. And a Christian who listens to the word of God cannot be demon-oppressed. A possessed, someone who is demon-possessed, someone whose spirit has demons inside. But a demon cannot enter a Christian because a Christian is inhabited by the Holy Spirit. We are the temples of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's administration, his throne, and his place of functioning is your body. The Bible says, don't you know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit? Who is in you? Whom you have received from God? You are not your own. You are bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your body and with your spirit, which are God's. Do you see? So the Holy Spirit lives inside us. How can demons dwell inside your spirit? It's not possible. But a Christian can be demon-oppressed. Okay? In his body. Demonic oppression is in the body. And demonic obsession is in the mind. So a, a, a Christian can be obsessed by demons in his mind because of how he's thinking. Demons can control your mind and let, your mind, let you think that nobody can do anything about your situation. You are a fornicator. It's finished. As for you, you get HIV and die. It's finished. Those are, those are demonic obsessions in your mind. Obsession is in mind. Oppression is in body. So a Christian's body can be oppressed by demons and give him sickness. You see, a cancer, something. A demon can hang itself on your body, on your hand on your liver, on your heart, on your kidney, on your bladder. They can hang on your body. A demon can obsess your mind. They can take over your mind. How do you solve those problems? By listening to the word of God. As the Bible says, as Jesus, Jesus was teaching, and as he was teaching, the power of God was present to heal. As the word of God comes like this, demons can't stay in an atmosphere like this. It's not possible. They are being exposed. It's not possible. There was, there, was one, there was one gentleman who was so demon-obsessed that the demon had taken over his body. So he can't enter a church. If he tries to enter, he can come here, but he won't enter. Because when he tries to enter, the demon will say no. And you do everything, he will not enter. It's not a small thing. He will never, the guy wants to go to the church, but the demon doesn't want the guy to go to the church. Born again Christian. 
Yeah, he had given himself over. That is why you must be careful about certain things. Sometimes we tell you some things. Because you know, there are things you do that exposes you. It opens you up to things, to demons. Another guy would have the demon stay at, outside the church. When he enters the church, the demon stays outside. As soon as he exits, the demon enters back into the head and goes with him. He will hear the word of God, but he cannot put it to place. He cannot. He can't. Now, what do you do with demons? Demons are the easiest bunch to deal with in the kingdom of God. Easiest. Easiest. You don't talk. We don't talk much. Easiest. Because the first evidence, the first sign of being born again is to cast out devils. Mark chapter 16. Let's look at it. Mark chapter 16. Verse. Sometimes people hear about demons. Hey, demons are very well. It's not true. Demons are the easiest. They are the simplest. It's not true. It's a deception. It's misinformation. You've been, mis- you've been mis- misinformed. People spend hours. I don't spend hours casting out devils. I spend seconds casting out devils. Have you seen me casting out a devil before? Seconds. Normally, I don't do it before everybody. Sometimes it's embarrassing for the person. Sometimes. So when everybody's not here, then we'll tell you, come here. And we'll cast it out. Look at this. And these signs shall follow them. This is Mark 16, 17. And these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name. First sign. In my name shall they what? Cast out devils. So when you realize that, it's like, ah, my mind is not thinking straight. I can't, my mind cannot stay on God's word. My mind is staying on other things. Ladies' bottoms every time. Why? Or my mind is only thinking about guys. My mind is only thinking about addictions, porn, this one. I mean, clearly, clearly. You see, a demonic influence, when we say something, someone, something's influenced you demonically, what it means is that you can't do without that particular thing. You, it's a stronghold. You are bound by it. Are you getting it? You are bound by it. So you want to think straight, but you can't think straight. You should know that there's a demon involved. What do you do? Cast it out. In the name of Jesus. There's no, you see, there's no, there's no uh, a distance in the realm of the spirit, but there's direction in the realm of the spirit. That is why sometimes we tell you, lift your hand and point and say this. So you can lift your hand and point and say, there's, there's direction. Wherever you point your finger is where the thing is going to go. You get it? Look, sometimes you can point to your mind. I cast out every devil in my mind that is trying to obsess. Sometimes they sit on your shoulder and talk to you. That's what I was praying for somebody. I swear a big demon sitting on their shoulder, whispering into her ears. That, the, the demon was there, always whispering, saying things to her. They shall cast out devils. Then they shall speak with new tongues. It's as simple as ABCD. You don't need to think about it much. Yeah. Say, I cast out devils. Say it again, I cast out devils. Say it again, I cast out devils. Say this after me. Anything that is oppressing me, obsessing me in my mind, I cast you out now. In the name of the Lord Jesus. That's it, it's It's finished. It's finished. Sometimes I cast out a devil from somebody who has been obsessed or oppressed. And then the person starts reacting. Sometimes you start talking. But if you give them attention, they know that you don't know what you have. They know you are misinformed. So they can start a banter with you. Oh, yeah, I may expose you. They will tell you, oh, yeah, I may expose you. If you do, I'll expose you. I'll not go. What do you mean you'll not go? I casted you a long time ago. I cast her and I forget. I move on. And the person will struggle. And then you just wake up. Hey, what happened to me? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. See, I cast out devils. devils. 
So the misinformed bunch is, is worse. Then uninformed, clueless. Clueless. Some hear, but then they don't hear. You see, like in Matthew chapter 13. See, I'm a child of God. You need to be informed properly, properly informed. And you must make sure of it. You must make sure. Lecturers can teach you, isn't it? But do they put their knowledge inside you? What do you need to do if you want to get it inside? You must study, isn't it? You must study for yourself. You must get into it for yourself. The reason why I study the word of God is because I don't want to be ignorant. And I don't want to be robbed. Because ignorance is the devil's primary means of robbing God's children. They know not. Neither do they understand. They walk on in darkness. I have said that you are God's. And that you are the children of the most high. But you shall die like men. And one of the princes of this world. Why? Because they know not. Neither do they understand. Have you seen it? For the lack of knowledge, my people perish. So all the sufferings you are going through now. All, every single thing you, you think you are lacking. Is because you don't have knowledge concerning it. You are not informed. If you are informed, you are not properly informed. You need proper information. That's why we sit with the word. That's why we do fellowship with the word. That's why we study the word. And through the proper information, you are educated. You are spiritually educated. Then you become spiritually trained. The spiritual training. So information, right information, right knowledge leads you to right education and hence right training. And hence right discipline. You become disciplined. So there's an undisciplined or indisciplined group in the church. Who can be in line? For instance, this one that we are saying that we should all be here on Wednesday. It's, it's, for many, it's not possible. Do you get it? For many, it's not possible. For some, not many, for some. Many of you will come. But for some, it's not possible. No matter what, you will still not be able to make it. You just can't plan to make it. Yeah. Because, because of indiscipline in your life. You are spiritually indisciplined. You can't pray for an hour. You can't, pray, you can't discipline yourself and stand for three hours and pray. And settle matters. You see, you, you, it, there's an information in the spirit. That the things that do not change in the spirit will never change physically. If you've not changed in the spirit, you don't have any business expecting any change physically. That's the truth. Before I make a certain kind of move, movement, there are things I don't do without asking the Holy Spirit. There are a lot of things I don't do. If I have not asked, and if I have not received information about it, I will not move. That's the truth. Major decisions. I need to talk to God. I need to go and wait on God. I need to. I need to spend time with God. I just spent more than 48 hours with God during the week just to hear God concerning some things so that I can move in confidence. You need to discipline yourself. It's called spiritual discipline. You are disciplined. God can use you. And I mean that is not disciplined. Not trained. Misinformed or uninformed. Uneducated. We'll never win as well. See, I'll be informed. I'll be trained. I'm disciplined. To the glory of God. Hallelujah. For instance, there's an assignment of winning souls. Jesus said, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. There's an assignment for all of us. See, I'm a soul winner. You need to be trained. You, how can you be talking to somebody, someone about Jesus Christ when you don't know him? You see, you, your content, there's no content. There's no content. Why? Because you are uneducated. So as you are talking, you are trying your best. You are moving around. They are lead, I have leaders who are like that. They are moving around. They are leaders. They are moving around. But they don't really know Jesus for themselves. They are saying what has been said. You need to say what has been internalized. From what has been said to you. 
When you internalize it, it will flow naturally out of it. How, how many times have I gone to check my notes? More than half of the things, about 80% of what I've told you, is not written. I've not written it. I'm just sharing something from my spirit. My meditation, this is what I've been thinking about meditating on. And I've been meditating on it for years. Not just recently, years. Hallelujah. So he says, the air, now I say, the air, as long as, you can be a child for a long time. The word child is nepuse. As long as he's a child, differed nothing from a servant. He's just like a servant. Even though he's the Lord of all. Even though he's the Lord of all, he owns everything. But you'll be denied. You'll be treated as a servant in his own kingdom. The kingdom belongs to him. Why are Christians suffering? Because they've decided not to grow. They've decided not to grow. Whether they know it or not, they have decided that they will not grow. If you get into the word, you'll be surprised at how, how much you grow. You'll be surprised. You'll be shocked. If you listen to the message we are teaching you, you'll be surprised at how much you grow. I grow by listening. I grow by listening. All the times I have not done well, I was not listening or watching. Those who are, who are supposed to listen and watch. That's why we have podcasts. You must listen. Now look at 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 11. 1 Corinthians 13, 11. I will never fail in my life. I'm a success. I keep going higher and higher. Higher and higher. My future is bright. No nation can be close to me. No nation can lock its doors against me. All nations are opened. I can go anywhere. At any time. In the name of the Lord Jesus. Prosperity is mine. Thousand cities will never be a problem for me in my life. Thousand dollars will never be a problem for me in my life. I'm a giver. I give in millions. I can't wait to give my first one million dollars. Personally, I can't wait to give my first one million dollars. Can you believe? Do you believe that you can have one million dollars? You can't give what you don't have. You can't give what you don't have. I watched on TV as a man of God I know very well give ten million dollars at once. If you don't have it, you can't give it. Ten million dollars. And I knew him years ago. He couldn't have done that. But he has been saying it for years. I'm a giver. I'm a blesser. I'll change many lives. I will give a million to the Lord. Yeah, I'll give a million dollars. Not to get a million cities, a million dollars. A million dollars. See, it will happen practically in my life. Say it again, it will happen practically in my life. Yeah. And if you're a child, you'll be robbed. A child does not talk. So all those who are not into talking the word are children. A child never talks. One of the cardinal effects or cardinal features of a child is the fact that he cannot talk. If he starts talking, he cannot talk right. You see, he doesn't talk right. So one of the ways to see if someone is mature is by checking his speech. He that does not offend in word is mature in all things. It's perfect in all things. Because sometimes you come to church, we say, say this after me, and some people will still be quiet. It's, they are children. It's not, it's not your fault, really. It's not your fault. You're a child. You don't understand. There's no understanding. So you can't talk. And even if you talk, you talk like a child. Yeah. For some, they will say it here, but they will never say it in, in the house. Never. They've never had a time on their own where they are working and then they start talking. The glory of God is working in me. I'm the righteous of God in Christ Jesus. Whenever you are down, start confessing the word. Whenever you feel down, start confessing what God has done in Christ for you. 
Start confessing it. I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. The glory of God is resting in my life. The glory of God is inside me. I am the glory of God working in the earth. I'm the blessing of God in the earth. I'm the blessing of God in the earth. The righteousness of God is working in my spirit. My life is full of glory. My life is full of glory. My life is the love life of God. I'm a demonstration of God's love in this earth. I set for the virtues and the beauties of God. That's my life. And my life is excellent. I have an excellent life. Success is mine. The life of God is working in me. I'm going higher and higher. Higher and higher. I'm getting greater and greater. Greater and greater. Every day. In the name of the Lord Jesus. I have understanding. I do not lack understanding. Spiritual understanding is working in my spirit. The wisdom of God is working in my spirit. I'm wise. I'm wise. I'm wise. You see that you're just rising and rising and rising and rising and rising and rising. Be surprised. When I was a child, this part of it says, when I was a child, I speak as a child. All the, the words child is nepios, N-E-P-I-O-S, with a dash on the E. Nepios. It means an unskilled, untrained, indisciplined child. Or a child who has refused to grow. A hunchback. Dwarfism. They are spiritual dwarfs. Children of God who are dwarfs. They are born again. Instead of growing, they grew to a point and then they are two years in the spirit. Their stature is the stature of a two-year-old and have stayed, they've stayed as a two-year-old for all their life till date. See, I refuse to be a child. The Bible says that in, in foolishness, be children, but in understanding, be men. Be men. The word men there is perfect. It is teleosis. Be complete. Be whole. That's what he's talking about. When I was a child, I speak as a child. I understood as a child. I taught as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. There are childish things that you must put away. For instance, why shouldn't you be in church? It's a childish thing. It's childishness. It's childishness. Why should church, the house of God? I have never missed church once in my life. Wherever, if it's a Sunday, I'm somewhere. I'm doing something in church somewhere. Yeah, I'm doing something in church somewhere. When we in America, on a Sunday we were in church. Sunday morning we were in church. We were listening to the Bible, the word of God. Is that I'm preaching or someone is preaching to me? Church, I'm always in church. It's not something to be discussed. I'm washing on Sunday morning. <gasps> how, can I trade, how can I trade my life for washing? How? How can I? You, you are trading your life for, for, for washing on a Sunday morning? What is wrong with you? Sleeping on a Sunday morning? How can you trade your life, your whole life, for sleep? It's clear. It's an evidence of the level you are on. When I, when I, but when I became a man, I put away childish things. I put away childish things. Childish things. Pooping on yourself and expecting someone to take it away. A child is the one who is always fooling around, always messing because he knows that when I mess around, they'll come and take care of me. They'll come to me. You know. That my shepherd will come and look for me. Let me fool around. They will come and talk to me. You expect it. Do you get it? You expect it. You're a child. 
Grow up. Tell me about grow up. I put away childish things. A child is, is listen, you, he says you'll be, you'll be a servant in his own house. A servant. Child is a servant. A child is a servant. You wash plates uh, in your own house. Look at Ephesians chapter 4, verse 14. Let me close. Are you enjoying spiritual growth? See, I'm growing up. Spiritually, more and more, I refuse to be a child. I refuse to be a child. Hallelujah! It says that we henceforth be no more children. The word children is in the pews as well. We be no more children, tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine. So, a child is a child in the Lord. Like you are, you are, you are a child, you are in the pews, you are not growing. One of the evidences is the fact that someone can come and say something that will tip you off. Someone can come and preach another doctrine to you and come and say that there are angels who are in charge of certain stars that you need to be praying to. And you'll be surprised that you believe it. You've had that. We have people believing all kinds of things because someone else came to say something that is not in the Bible. When you are grown in the Lord, you will check everything in the scriptures. You will have a body of revelation that you function with. You know the new creation. Hmm? Look at Galatians chapter 6. Galatians chapter 6. Let's read verse 12. Galatians 6 12. I hope I'm right. Go down. For in Christ Jesus, there's neither. Uh huh. Go, go down. For in Christ Jesus, neither. 15, right? Galatians 6 15. Look at this. For in Christ Jesus, there's neither circumcision, there's neither circumcision availeth anything nor uncircumcision, but a new creature. But what? Since in Christ, neither circumcision nor circumcision avails it. It doesn't do anything. But the new creature, or a new creature. Next verse. And as many as walk according to this rule, the word rule is canon, according to this body of revelation, peace be on them, and mercy, and upon the Israel of God. There's a body of revelation. There's, a, there's, there's an understanding that God wants you to have. You see, to read the scriptures with. Look at Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12. For when for the time you ought to be teachers, you have need. Hebrews 5, 12 rather. Hebrews 5, not 4, 5, 12. For when for the time you ought to be teachers, you have need that one teach you again, which be the first principles of the oracles of God. And I become such as have need of milk and not strong, not of strong meat. And it says for strong meat, look at it. It says, look at it, verse 13 is what I want you to see. For everyone that uses milk is unskillful in the word of righteousness. For he is a babe. The word babe is nepius. He's a babe. He's unskilled. He's unskillful in the word of righteousness. You don't know it. Okay? The body of revelation is called the word of righteousness. You need to understand the righteousness of God. Don't let anybody deceive you and tell you that you are something else. You need to spend time. You need to spend time on the word. To understand what God is saying for you. What we are teaching you. You need to understand it for yourself. So that you can communicate. It says for when for the time you ought to be teachers. I'm expecting that you be teachers. You have need. You should be able to teach somebody else. But you have need that you be taught once again. Which be the first principle of the oracles of Christ. You have become such as have need of milk and not of strong meat. For everyone that deserves milk is unskillful in the word of righteousness. Unskillful in the word of righteousness. Your thinking must be along the lines of the new creation. 
If any man be in Christ. He is. Not he's going to be. He is a new creation. I'm different. I'm not the same. Jesus looked like a human being. He talked like a human being. He was eating abodo and fish like everybody else. You know abodo and fish. He was eating like they were eating. Wooing like they were wooing. And all those things. But he said this. As a father has life in himself. So has he given to the son to have life in himself. I am from above. You are from beneath. He was, he was just like anybody. Just like you are, you are sitting here now. That's how he was. Normal. But these were the things he was saying. What are you also going to say for yourself? His thinking was different. His speech was different. They were, and they saw him. They knew that his mother. They knew his mother. They knew his brethren. They knew that his father eh, was supposed to be Joseph. They didn't know that he was actually from God. A seed of God. They didn't know. He spoke differently. He taught differently. I will not be cheated in life. I tell you. Listen, don't get to heaven and be surprised. When you get to heaven and you look back, you're like, ah! What's all this? Because some people will be, will be surprised. They'll be shocked and they'll be in tears. Have you, have you heard the story of the cabin guy? Cabin, cabin biscuits guy. One young man was on his way to a certain country from another country. And he bought a ticket. This some years ago, he bought a ticket for a ship. Those times, planes were not around. So he bought a ticket for a ship. To sit in a ship. And he didn't have much money. So he gathered all his money, all he had, to buy the ship, the ticket for the ship. Then he bought biscuits. Do you know carbon biscuits? He bought carbon biscuits. With water. And entered the ship with it. The, ship was suppo- the journey was supposed to be for 30 days. And he was eating carbon biscuits in his cabin and drinking water for all the 30 days. All the 30 days. On the 30th day, six hours before they got, they got out, he decided to ask to talk to somebody because he wasn't coming out. When they are eating, he's not out because he doesn't want to come and see the food so that he will be attracted, so that he will do something. He doesn't want to steal or anything like that. So he was in his when he comes out, he comes out to come and look at the stars and goes back to go and sleep, eating his arejo, sad carbon biscuits with water every time for 30 days. On the 30th day, he came out, they were having lunch, and he came out. Yeah, I just finished. And one of them asked him, Ah, I've never I've not seen all the 30 days, I've not seen you coming for lunch or supper or dinner or any of those things, enjoying yourself on the ship. Where have you been? And he said, Oh, I didn't have enough money to buy all those things so i just got myself some carbon biscuits and some water and that's what i've been eating for the last 30 days and the guy said ah what are you talking about can i see your ticket when they gave him the ticket he looked at it and said that all that we have been eating and drinking and everything is inside your ticket your ticket that you bought qualifies you to eat everything on that on the on the ship After he finished talking to him, they were getting out of the ship. That was the end. That's a lot of Christian. I don't want to be denied. I don't want to be denied. I don't want to get to heaven. And then I look back and see that I, was, I denied myself of so many things. Because I refused to grow. I refused to have access to knowledge. Don't be a carbon biscuits guy. Tell anybody, I refuse to be a carbon biscuits guy. For many, they've been misinformed that in this world, you will suffer. You will suffer in this world. As a Christian, you will suffer. 
You don't, you don't need to. You don't need to be rich. You don't none of those things. This world is not my home. I'm just a pastor. It's true. We are passing through. But you, you pass through. Don't pass through unnoticed. Pass through and leave footprints here. Do you understand? Yeah. Awake. Be awake to the Lord. Awaken to Christ in you. Awaken yourself to Christ in you. And watch your life go from one level of glory to the other. Rise up on your feet and thank God for what I shared with you. God bless you for listening. We pray that the word of God will be rooted and grounded in your heart as you give attention to the word. Kindly follow Pastor T and Love Economy Church on all social networks for more of God's word. Don't forget to subscribe to the Pastoti podcast. Simply search for Pastoti on any podcast app, plug in, and enjoy God's word. Visit our website at loveeconomychurch.org for more information. God bless.